great to be here with you here today. I love Coffee Talk. Don't you guys love Coffee Talk? Yeah. Um, <laughs> woo. So I had the privilege to be here just about a year ago at Coffee Talk, um, almost to the day, I think. Um, and guess what? I got invited back. <laughs> they, haven't fi they haven't figured out that I don't know what I'm doing up here. I really don't. <laughs> uh, what do you guys think of my outfit? Yeah. It's not exactly uh, professional to wear yoga pants up here, right? But <laughs> yoga pants are like the new sweatpants, right? <laughs> but I thought I'd take advantage of my uh, message theme and be comfortable because um, you know you're getting old when you just want to be comfortable, right? <laughs> um, I turned 39 this year for the sixth time. <laughs> you do the math, okay? <laughs> and the thing about, um, um, if truth be told, the other reason why I'm wearing yoga pants is I can't fit into any of my real clothes. Because <laughs> the other thing about getting older is you tend to get a little bigger as well, right? Like I, my closet's like this, I can only wear like two inches of it, right? And I've been wearing the same two pairs of jeans for like the last four years. Ask my friends, they know. They know those jeans really well. And I'm too stubborn to go out and buy a new pair of jeans. Yeah? I'm just too stubborn. I won't do it. I won't spend the money and I just don't, I just can't, I can't, can't do it because that's just like the kiss of death, right? <laughs> so I did some, the next best thing. I went out and bought a treadmill. That's economical, right? <laughs> but the good news is I'm running again, which brings me to my running topic. So I want to see how many runners we have out there. Raise your hand if you consider yourself in any way, shape, or form a runner. All right, raise your hands. Yeah? Okay. Are you raising your hands? <laughs> Put your hands down if you raise your hands. I can't see you. I'm blind. Come on. All right. Let's try this again, all right? On the count of three, if you consider yourself a runner, I want you to yell, run, forest, run. One, two, three. Run, forest, run. All right, all right. I know there's a bunch of you guys out there. You'll be tracking with my message today. <laughs> all right, I have something to show you guys. Um, like I said, I have a treadmill now. I run, I don't know why you guys run, but I run just to eat, right? <laughs> Especially in this town, right? I, I've been here two years and I'm, I'm, I'm still trying to like eat my way through San Francisco, so awesome. <laughs> All right, so look what I have to show you. There was a time when I did consider myself um, a bit of a runner. And, ooh, it broke. <laughs> it's very old. <laughs> This is um, a, a medal that I received for finishing the 1996 Marine Corps Marathon. Right? And um, I know it sounds really silly, but I really consider it my greatest accomplishment because I am not a natural runner. Like, I was one of those kids in elementary school, remember those uh, phys presidential physical fitness um, tests, right? Well, I could never get that stupid award because I couldn't pass the running portion. I was always way too slow. And I ended up um, running kind of later in life, in my 20s, um, so I could eat. <laughs> my metabolism started slowing down, right? And um, in 1996, uh, a girlfriend of mine called me up. She lived in DC. And at the time, my husband was uh, training in the Marine Corps in Quantico, Virginia, for six months. She called me up and she said, hey, Alex, my sister and I are going to run the Marine Corps Marathon. Do you want to do it with us? And you have to understand, this time in my life, um, it was just all about my career. I was working and traveling a ton. 
Um, I think I had a client in Silicon Valley and Nashville, Tennessee and Paris, France. I was just, every week I would visit all three sites and it was just a crazy, crazy time living out of a suitcase, going to DC on the weekends to visit my husband. So I should have said no. But you also have to understand that this was like, the, I was in this, you know, it was all about overachieving for me at the time, right? So forget the fact that I've never run more than three miles at one time. You know, never been in a race, right? Let alone 26.2. But I said, sure. <laughs> sure, let's do it. So I got the entry materials. I remember, um, I, remember I, I, I like had to catch a flight. So I didn't even bother reading through it. I just you know, filled it out real quick and sent it in the mail. I went to the bookstore and I picked up um, one of those books on how to train for a marathon. Didn't read it. Went straight to the page that had like the schedule of the, the, the training schedule, the running schedule. Ripped it out of the book, stuffed it in my briefcase, right? And um, I tried my best to stick to the schedule, but it was really tough just being on the road, training on the road. And there were times when I actually had to uh, just run laps in the hotel parking lots. And then before I know it, oh, I, did, oh, I, I was able to get like a couple of long runs in. Maybe like, I don't know, like a 15-miler and an 18-miler, and that was it. And then I deemed myself, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. And um, the day before race day, I am playing um, phone tag with my girlfriend because we've got to figure out how to you know, catch up with each other, how to find each other at the beginning of the race. And um, we never caught up, and I thought, oh, it's no big deal. I'll just meet her at the start line. Okay? <laughs> Do you know how many people run the Marine Corps Marathon? <laughs> All right, that year there were over 20,000. Okay. So needless to say, I didn't find her, all right? And there was a little seed of panic that started in my heart that morning. I remember looking around at the sea of people, and it occurred to me, I really should go ask somebody for help. Um, a little side note about my vision. I was born legally blind. I've been um, losing it ever since, just very slowly over time. Um, today, I just see light and dark. And at the time of the marathon, I would say that probably I had about five feet of vision um, that was fairly clear in front of me, you know, so enough that I could kind of fake it, but enough also to kind of get me in trouble, you know? So the right thing to have done would have been to go ask somebody for a guide, all right? But no, remember this is like the overachieving, you know, very prideful Alex, I'm gonna do it my way, I'm gonna do it myself. So I said, I could do this. If I just stick to somebody, I'll find somebody who seems to be running at my pace and just sort of, you know, stealth, they could be my stealth guide, right? Okay, so before I know it, the pistol shots fire and we're off. And the first five miles, Easy peasy, right? I mean, you're feeling good, all that adrenaline. People are like shouting, screaming. I'm like socializing with the people next to me. It's awesome. And of course, I make a rookie mistake. I don't hydrate because I feel so good, right? And then miles five through 10, I'm, I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to start, start drinking. I got to start drinking water. I got to start drinking some sports drink. So I'm running along. You know, The crowd is still pretty thick around me. And every time we w run up to a water station, the Marines, because it's all the Marines in their, you know, in their uh, military uniforms and all that, they're out there officiating everything. And the Marines are standing out there going, accelerate, accelerate, right? <laughs> so I would just like move up forward, right? I'd move forward because I figured, okay, so certain tables are running out and I have to kind of keep moving up forward. And, um, and then I'd find the water, but then I kept looking for the sport drink and I couldn't find it, right? And I could have just asked somebody, but again, no. You know, too proud to ask for help. Ladies, guess who the sponsor was for the race? Accelerate. Accelerate, accelerate. Okay. Now, I don't know if you guys know any military people, like my husband, all right? They don't, they're like, they don't talk normal like the rest of us, okay? Like when my, my husband doesn't say start, he says engage. 
and he doesn't say stop, he says abort. All right, and he doesn't say move up or speed up, he says accelerate. Okay, so when I heard these people saying accelerate, that's, I, that's what I did. So can you believe it? I ran that entire race with no sport drink. And halfway through the race, I just figured out, I said, I, I convinced myself, they just ran out. I can't believe it. They're like so disorganized. 20,000 people and they like ran out of sports drink. All right? Okay, so miles 10 through 15, I'm starting to feel it. Okay, I'm starting to feel a little bit. I've only, I'm only running on water. And um, the, the whole field is starting to thin out. Okay, this is like everyone's passing me. You know how like people dress up all crazy and everything, right? I mean, I got passed by, passed by all sorts of people. Mickey Mouse holding Minnie Mouse's hand. Kermit the Frog holding... Pig, Miss Piggy's hand, all right? A guy that had like a big giant, he wore a tent all the way through. And at one point, this 85-year-old man actually passed me, running backwards, okay? And then he said to me, as he passed me, he said, hello, young lady, I think you're going the wrong way. And I have to admit, for a moment, I was a little bit confused, okay? But okay, so my, my, my pace is slowing down. All right, I get to mile 15, and I, I know that I'm, I'm, I'm not feeling good, okay? I'm starting to get exhausted. I'm, I'm just trying to give myself a pep dog. He can do it. You can just keep, keep a nice slow jog, you'll be fine. And then I start to think, oh my gosh, I might not actually finish this thing, right? So what am I gonna tell my friends and my family? My coworkers is gonna be so embarrassing that I didn't get to finish. I've been bragging about it for the last three months and I was gonna run this great race. And a mile later, who cares about my coworkers and my friends? I was like, I'm gonna die. <laughs> Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm literally gonna die, all right? And I, I, I could feel you know, my energy just completely depleted. I was literally you know, on, on the ground, okay? On my hands and I'm literally crawling on this course. Okay, can you guys hear me still? Okay. <clears throat> um, oh, by the way, Cheryl, yes. has, has PT ever been down on all fours like this up here? <laughs> I'm just curious. <laughs> tell, him, tell him he was showed up by a blind girl, okay? All right, anyway. So I'm literally like on all fours, crawling, okay? And now I'm like, I'm gonna die. <laughs> I would have liked to say goodbye to my, my husband. I, I, I would have liked to have had children. And what, what's that one line? Um, I would have liked to see Montana, yeah. right? Okay, like I'm just like, and then literally it's like, Father, please have mercy on me. Please, Lord, please. And then you go through all the sins in your life, right? You know? Okay, I'm, I'm like, I'm like, I'm, I'm, crying out to God and cursing the guy, the Greek dude that made the marathon famous at the same time, right? I mean, that guy died, right? Like, who thought this was a good idea, right? So I'm just, I'm just crying out to God, please, Lord, please, if you exist, please help me. And this little boy comes up to me and taps me on the shoulder and says, hey, would you like my banana? <laughs> and like a ravenous wild beast, I ripped it from his hands, devoured it. Poor kid, I don't even think I said, oh, thank you. And then a couple minutes later, um, a cyclist came by and she handed me her power bar. And I ate that too. And then slowly, slowly, I got up. And I was able to start walking again, feeling a little bit energized. And then I finally got myself into a nice little jog. I worked my, back, uh, my way back up to a decent pace. And then I was getting very close to mile 18 where my husband was waiting. You know, there's these like checkpoints where your friends can, can wait for you. <clears throat> Obviously, he had been waiting a long time. <laughs> and I, as, as I'm running by, he's like, what happened to you? <laughs> Especially because like, I look pretty good, right? 
poor guy, I think he thought I got completely lost or something. And, and then he said something that struck fear into my heart. He said, you have 15 minutes to make the bridge or the straggler bus is going to come and pick you up. <laughs> All right? OK, maybe I wasn't going to finish this race, but I ain't going to be no, you know, on, no bleepity bleeping loser sorry bus. All right? <laughs> and there's nothing like fear of public humili humiliation. I mean, I like sprang into a, into a sprint. It was like a bat out of hell, right? So I sprinted those last two miles. And keep in mind, I can only see five feet in front of me at any given time. So it's like a really scary video game, right? <laughs> Things like popping into my field of vision left and right. All right? And I am like just sprinting and just letting it all, you know, just I'm going to die getting to that bridge. And I think I must have reached anaerobic energy. I don't know if any of you have experienced it, but it's like tunnel vision, right? where things start to darken and get smaller and smaller and smaller, which is not good when you're blind to begin with. Right? I don't know how I made that bridge, but I stepped onto that bridge right at the point where they let the traffic go. And there was a Marine there waiting for me. Right? He's like directing traffic. And he said, congratulations, ma'am. You, you beat the bridge. Accelerate. <laughs> So the, fat, the last 10K of the, of, the, of the run, okay? That's mile 20 is the last 10K. I'm feeling really good. All right? I'm, feeling, I'm, I'm gonna finish this, really confident. So I'm moving on. Now it's my turn to pass everybody. I'm passing a bunch of people, all the walkers, all the stragglers. I'm feeling really good. I can kind of see, um, I can kind of tell you know, which way the finish line is heading up. I'm in the home stretch. And then bam, out of the blue, I hit something. I have no idea what I hit, and I'm on my back. All right, on the course. It was an ambulance that was backing up. And I was just going fast enough, and it was going fast enough that we just hit each other. So then it's like, they're all standing over me. And I'm like, get out of my way. I got to finish this race. I'm fine. Get away from me. You know, so I stand up. And I'm like, which way, which way, which way? And this guy points me to the right way. And then he reaches down, cops the feel on my butt, and brushes off, this, off the, the, the dust on my butt, right? <laughs> But I got no time for a sexual harassment suit. I got to keep going. OK. So I'm running, I'm running. I'm finally in the final stretch of the finish line. And the finish line in the Marine Corps Marathon goes, it's, it's a roundabout. It goes around the Iwo Jima Memorial. And they had all these like weird barricades set up, you know? And I kept running into the, uh, the chicken wire back and forth, sort of like watching bumper pool, right? And at one point, one of the Marines that was, uh, that was um, standing there said, she's disoriented. She's disoriented. <laughs> And then my father-in-law, who was standing at the, at the finish line, yelled, no, she's not. She's just blind. Show her the way. Show her the way. And he showed me the way. And I finally, I don't know how, miraculously, I stepped over that finish line. And there was this tunnel of Marines all standing there with their hands up to high five, which I didn't see. I totally dissed them. Went right past them. And I fell into the arms of my husband. And he said, He said, you finished. He said, you finished. It took you forever, <laughs> but you finished. All right, I'm exhausted now. Uh, can I sit for a minute? All right. <clears throat> Believe it or not, that was just my intro. <laughs> Let's pray. Let's pray. Father God, oh, Lord, thank you that um, you are with us every step of the way, Lord. Help us to run this race. Um, with endurance, with faith, with gladness, Lord, and joy, 
because it is a privilege to run after you. Please just um, reveal yourself in a compelling way to everyone that is here today. And we lift all these things up in your precious son's name. Amen. All right. Oh, thank you. Oh, yeah, I need some water. I need some water. Accelerate. Accelerate. Um, You know, in a way, we all do run a race, don't we? Whether we're a runner or not. It's just a matter of uh, which race that we run, right? There's the rat race, and then there's another race, um, a race that we run when we follow Jesus. And although that both of these races on the outside may look pretty similar, you know, both courses kind of go through the highs and lows of life, the way we run these races and what waits for us at the finish line are completely different. Probably couldn't be more different. The rat race is all about... um, personal gain, right? Beating out the next guy, keeping up with the Joneses, striving for earthly prizes like uh, wealth and status. And, and maybe, you know, maybe you're not an overachiever like me. Maybe you just want to be comfortable, right? But the race that we run when we follow Jesus is completely different. It's um, not about personal gain. It's about, it's about serving others. It's about being the least. It's about promoting God and glorifying him. And it's about an eternal reward. It's about being saved. <clears throat> and um, I can tell you that, you know, I run the rat race. I can tell you personally, and probably a lot of you will agree that it's not satisfying. It's not satisfying. We have a thirst that can't be quenched by the world. And that yearning in your heart, I used to think it was a yearning um, that, that something in the world could, could, um, could meet, but it isn't. That yearning in your heart is a yearning to know God, the one who created you, and to be loved by him. And the best thing about this race that we run when we follow Jesus is that you don't have to qualify. It doesn't matter how fast of a runner you are. You just have to accept that that Christ died for you um, because God loves us so much. He, um, He sent his son so that you could be saved, so that we could be with him in heaven forever. And once you're in... You're in. You are guaranteed that reward. And that brings me to my thesis for this morning. (sighs) Following Jesus is like running a marathon with a heavenly prize. I don't know um, if any of you were here last September, this past September, to hear uh, Aletha Shelby's amazing testimony about um, how Jesus is the only only thing that could quench her, her thirst. Um, but if you haven't had a chance to, to listen to it, I really recommend that you get on the website and do that. We have um, an audio recording, I believe. It is extremely moving, um, and I think there's something there for, for everyone. But this morning, I want to take the rest of our time to talk about um, if, this, if this faith journey of ours is like a marathon, how do we run it? Okay, how do we run it? So first of all, I believe that we have to have the right expectations what it actually means to follow Jesus. Um, it's pretty fair to say that I was not very well informed with my marathon, right? And if I had just taken the time to read those entry materials, I would have realized that there would be 20,000 runners and that Accelerate was a sports drink, right? <laughs> so it's good to know um, exactly what it is to expect when we follow Jesus. The Apostle Paul calls it a race of endurance. He says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And, um, you know, 
my question would be if I had read that for the first time, you know, what is it that we're supposed to endure? What is it that Jesus is asking us to endure? Let's take a look at um, what Jesus actually says. Um, by the way, all these verses that we're going to show up here are in your handout, so you don't have to worry about writing them down. In Luke 9.23, Jesus said, um, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. Huh? <laughs> I mean, imagine if you were there, you know, you'd been following Jesus around, watching him do all his crazy miracles, and you're like, okay, I'm going to sign up. You know, I want to follow you. And he said this to you. What would you say? What would you say? You know what I would say? I would say, is it going to hurt? Because I don't, I don't like pain. I don't even like to be uncomfortable. That's why I'm wearing yoga pants today, OK? <laughs> and it's interesting that Jesus uses the word cross here. He says to pick up your cross. Um, in Roman times, the cross only meant one thing. It meant death. So when you, when you read this, it makes you think that he's actually asking you to die for him. Are you willing to lay your life down and die? And you know, in our modern, comfortable society, especially in this free country, um, many of, most of us probably will not have to physically die for Jesus. But I do think that he's asking us to die to ourselves. Because when we follow Jesus, we step into a process. And it's a process that's going to last every day the rest of your life. Okay? You're never done. You're always a work in process. It's a process by which we are slowly transformed into the character of Christ. And that is not trivial, all right? Because we have to put aside our selfish desires. We have to learn to love one another unconditionally, sacrificially. We need to um, be able to even love our enemies. Did you know that Christianity is the only religion says that uh, teaches to love our enemies? That's radical, crazy love isn't it? And it takes work and effort and sacrifice. Um, so yes, Alex, it's going to hurt. <laughs> okay, It's going to hurt. Um, if I look back at my life, this whole dying to myself, you know, at times it's meant letting go of a career uh, because my family needed me. At other times, it has meant um, accepting the loss of my vision and just really being able to see what God has for me in this journey as um, the world darkens around me. But lately, it has come in the form of an 11-year-old mouthy boy, okay? <laughs> also known as my middle son. It's always the middle children, isn't it? <laughs> and don't get me wrong, I mean, he's a great kid. He's fun, he's funny, he's got great leadership um, ability, but he's got an even bigger mouth. And when he's back-talking me, I mean, I just want to like grab him and throw him out the window, right? <laughs> Um, but I don't, <laughs> because I can't see him, and I could never chase him down if my life depended on it, which is a good thing. But, you know, sometimes I confess to you, ladies, I am so ugly to him, so ugly. And then I hear him talk to his brothers in that same ugly way, right? It's like the knife, and then you twist it, right? So last week, I was on my knees praying to Lord, Lord, please help me love him through your eyes, because he frustrates me so much. And then I lost my voice. I got sick last week, and I lost my voice. And I couldn't yell or scream or say anything ugly for at least three days. <laughs> and then he said to me, Mom, wow, you're a lot nicer when you can't talk. <laughs> Ladies, every day. Okay, every day, whether you're in a tough workplace, 
whether you're surrounded by people who give you a hard time about being a Christian, whether you're just a mom at home trying to deal with her children, every day is an opportunity to grow and to be more like Christ, okay? And I think maybe that's why Paul says it's a race of endurance, okay? It's not just that we have to endure the disappointing events in our life when things just don't go the way that we wanted. I think it's this process, this transformation process that we are supposed to endure. But there is a great reward, isn't there? A great reward. A reward of heaven, of eternal life awaits us. And it is that perspective, the perspective, the eternal perspective that gives us hope, not to mention the power of God to deal with today on this side of heaven where things are broken. We can delay our gratification, ladies, until eternity. And this side, this side of heaven, it's really just a blip in the context of forever. Amen. Amen. So that brings me to my first point. Finally, finally, I'm at my first point. <laughs> you can expect the journey to be long and hard, but eternally rewarding. Okay? All right, so if we are running this race of endurance, um, number, point number two, moving right along, we need to train to build endurance. Okay? We need to train to build endurance. Uh, I think it's also safe to say that I did not train properly for the marathon, right? Remember? Um, if I had to take a guess, uh, maybe I put in a third of the hours that I probably should have clocked in, and it just wasn't enough. It wasn't enough for the actual main event. And it's just the same with our, um, with our faith. In our faith journey, we have, to, we have to clock in the hours with God, all right? We have to train. We have to train in times of, of, uh, of, of no strife so that when the strife comes, we have something to draw upon. A friend of mine once told me, Alex, don't try to be like Christ. Train to be like Christ, okay? Because we can't fake it. We can't fake it. All right, what does that training look like? Um, I would suggest that there is a training regimen that we should all be following, okay? The first thing is we need nutrition, spiritual nutrition, all right? This is when we um, drink and eat of God's spiritual food. Most of us um, have one spiritual meal on Sunday or Saturday night, okay? And that's great. That's fabulous, but I would say that that's probably not enough. If that's the only time that you're getting a spiritual meal, um, you might actually run the risk of, of spiritually bonking, right, when you run out of food. And so it has to be a, a, ideally a daily process, a, a daily process of, of nourishing yourself, of hydrating. Right? We need to have Jesus in our system at all times. right? He's like the ultimate sport drink. right? <laughs> I don't know if anyone's ever called him a sport drink before, but <laughs> I'm going with the metaphor all the way. Right? <laughs> and what does that mean? It means we have to be in relationship with him. All right? You can't follow somebody you don't know, and you can't have a relationship with someone if you don't spend time with him. All right? That means you, you talk to him, you pray, you, know, you, you just converse, you, know? you, you take time to listen. You take that Bible. All right? That Bible is like, it's like the spiritual food truck. Okay. I mean, it is, it is, everything is in there. You open that thing up. You read it. That's how God communicates with us. You read it. You meditate over it. You study it, whether it's by yourself or, or with a group with other, with other women, your small group, whatever it is, all right? We, we nourish ourselves. We need that. We need those spiritual calories, ladies, all right? Now, Jesus actually modeled this really well for us. Um, if you look at his ministry, there was a certain rhythm to his movements, 
right? He was constantly retreating away from the crowds and even his disciples to spend time alone with God and to pray. And I know we're busy. I know we're all very busy. Um, but I challenge all of you, as I challenge myself, to, to kind of hardwire that time with God into our day, all right? About six months ago, I challenged myself um, before I check email or my phone messages or anything in the morning, I'm going to spend five minutes with God, all right? Before you check your social media, whatever it is, all right? Um, I had a friend of mine once tell me, I, I was confessing to her, oh, it's so hard for me to have a quiet time, you know, it's so hard. And she said, really? It's so easy for me. <laughs> I'm like, okay, Miss Goody Two-Shoes, what's your secret? But you know what she said? She said, I just picture him waiting there for me. She says, I don't want to keep him waiting. And that's really helped me, just to, just to envision um, the Lord waiting for us. And he does. He is waiting for us. He's yearning for us to spend time with him. Okay, so we have to have spiritual nourishment. All right, the second thing, the second part of our, our, uh, our training regimen is that we have to work out. All right, we got to like build up our spiritual muscles. And where's the best, best place to do this um, is not the gym, it's the church. All right, it's the church. Get involved in your churches, ladies. Okay, again, if you're coming for that one hour weekend, it's not enough. We need to be in fellowship with one another. The best place to practice being Christ-like, the best people to practice on are other Christians. All right? Because they're supposed to forgive you when you screw up. Right? <laughs> all right? Other Christians. Think of it as a clinic. We need to be around each other. We need to practice loving one another. Um, get involved. All right? Serve in a ministry. Practice serving. Practice... Um, doing life together with people in a small group. For those of you who attend Cornerstone, if you are not um, that involved, you know, if, if, if coffee talk is the only thing you do outside of the weekend uh, services, um, a great place to go is the Next Step class. I think there's one coming up in January, and you will get a great sense of what goes on at this church and how you can be involved and how you can just you know, come to the gym and work out. Come and work out with us. All right? Have you ever been to a small group and then you left? You, went to, you visited and you left and you said to yourself, oh, man. Those people are weird. <laughs> I didn't like those people. I'm not going back to that one. It's just not for me. Well, that's the exact reason why you should go back, all right? Think of it as a clinic where you can practice loving people that you don't like, <laughs> right? It's easy to love people that are lovable, right? You know, the thing about being blind is um, you always need a ride, right? I'm always, I always need a ride. And... Um, Actually, a little side, side, a side uh, story. I overheard my boys once talking about what would happen if their dad passed away. I have no idea why they were talking about that. But then I heard one of them say, oh, Mom's going to have to get remarried because who's going to drive us around? <laughs> so the joke is he's just a chauffeur. <laughs> but anyway, I always need a ride. You know, and this whole front row has given me a ride you know, at some point. Um, so thank you for that, girls. But, um, you know, when you're, beggars can't be choosers, right? And there was a time when I was still sort of quite a proud culture snob, as my husband used to affectionately call me. And, you know, I would have to end up hanging out with people that I probably wouldn't have chosen as my friends, right? So whatever reason, uh, they don't have the same education as me, they don't have the same vocabulary, they don't eat the same food, you know, they're not as cultured as me, whatever. All sorts of reasons why, you know, I'm, I, I don't want to be their friend. I'm being honest, okay? <laughs> but you know what, ladies? When you open your heart 
okay? When you open your heart, especially to the people that are very different from you, you are humbled, okay? Because it was my privilege to know these people. And they have taught me so, so many amazing things, all right? Every human being has something to offer. So if you have that annoying coworker that's been stalking you for coffee, give it a try, okay? <laughs> it's good to learn to love all sorts of different people, all right? It's like learning how to eat all sorts of different food. It's good, it's good for us. That's good for us. Okay, so we nourish ourselves. We work out, okay? You can practice on your neighbors, too. That's good. Practice on your neighbors. And then... We, we can face the trials, okay? We've got the trials. Now, the trials are the events in our life that really stretch us, push us to the limit, right? It's the storms, it's the challenges, it's the times where you wonder, Lord, where are you? Where are you? I thought you liked me, right? <laughs> let's, what it, let's see what it says um, in Romans 5.3 about trials. It says, <clears throat> but we can rejoice, too. We can rejoice. <laughs> we can rejoice, too. Because when we run into problems and trials, we know that they help us develop endurance. Okay, ladies? The trials is what gets you to that next level. The trials are what really helps you go the distance and gives you the, the faith and the trust that we need to live this life the way Christ would like us to live. I've shared um, some of my trials in the past. Um, uh, again, losing, losing my vision. Um, I lost my mom to Alzheimer's. Um, I'm a breast cancer survivor. Uh, three years. Woohoo! Three years. Thank you very much. But today, I want to talk about, um, I want to tell you about my, my friend Susan. Okay? My friend Susan. My friend Susan is um, a courageous woman. She has gone the distance. She has truly gone the distance. I haven't known her long, but it has been such a privilege to know her the last few months. And Susan's story starts about six years ago. She went in for what was supposed to be minor surgery. And um, everything went horribly wrong. She spent the next nine months uh, with a fever. The next few years was just countless surgeries, countless medical procedures. She lost her hair. She had rashes. They took her to all the experts. They couldn't figure out what was wrong with her. She was constantly on antibiotics and painkillers. She had to let go of her work. She was diagnosed with PTSD, <clears throat> and then she also had to face the fact that her treatments had left her infertile, okay? And there was a time when Susan felt that God had completely abandoned her. Lord, where are you? Lord, where are you? And in that dark moment is when God met her, in the most darkest moment. He met her, and she realized, Lord, all I need is you. If you're asking me to lay down my life for you and to let go, I'll do it gladly. And you know, it's funny. When you get to a place that, where Jesus is all you have, you realize that he's all you need. And she said she was so overwhelmed with peace when she just let go, when she submitted and surrendered. And I'm happy to report that miraculously God has restored her he has restored her mentally. He has restored her physically. She's back at work. Just started recently. She is in the process of adoption. And she's running a half marathon tomorrow. Big Sur.
And Susan, please forgive me. I, I know I said I wouldn't point you out, but she's here today. You guys want to meet her? <laughs> Susan, can you stand up, please? All right, let's give her. Thank you, Susan, for letting me share your story. <sighs> Ladies, we need to share our stories with one another, right? Because we encourage one another. It means so much. I know every single one of you have an amazing story, and I wish I could, wish we could all take turns up here, but we'd be here forever, wouldn't we? But I would love to hear every single one. We need to tell each other our stories, which brings me to point number three. We were meant to run this race in community. We were meant to run this race community together. We were meant to run it together. When I told my husband that I was going to be talking about my Marine Corps marathon experience, he went, the key learning there is don't ever let a blind girl run a race alone. <laughs> and it's true, right? <laughs> it's true. If I had met up with my girlfriend, if I had just asked somebody for help, and you know the interesting thing is my girlfriend, the one I was supposed to meet with, she ran it with her sister, but they got split up, and she ran into some troubles too. She hit the mental wall on the bridge at mile 20 and stood there uh, look, overlooking the Potomac for, for 20 minutes. Yeah. Completely bonked at mile 20. And uh, a good Samaritan on the sideline actually came up to her and said, hey, you can do this. You know, Come on, you're so close. The last 10K, you can do it. She gave her a pep talk, and this good Samaritan actually ran her into the finish line. Right? So even my girlfriend, sometimes I think if we had just run it together, if we had just run it together, we would have both made it. We would have both made it. And in a way, <laughs> We're all like blind girls trying to figure out where the sport drink is, right? <laughs> Accelerate. <laughs> we got to help each other, ladies. If there's one thing that I want you to take away from this talk this morning, other than don't ever run a marathon, if there's one thing, it's that we need each other. We need to be in community, OK? We need to be in constant community. Let's look at what uh, Paul says in Hebrews 10, 24 to 25. Let us consider how to spur one another toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more, all the more as we see the day approaching. Okay? I think we get it, right? We get the encouraging. We get the, how we have to meet together. That's what Coffee Talk is all about. Um, as I mentioned, I'm a breast cancer survivor. Six months in 2010 was spent in, um, was spent in treatment. And I'm not, I'm not trying to trivialize my cancer experience or anyone else's cancer experience, okay? Because it was awful, painful, awful. But when I look back, it was kind of like a vacation, <laughs> okay? And you know why? Because I didn't have to cook. I didn't have to clean. I didn't have to do laundry. I didn't have to worry about where the kids were, where they had to be, or how they would get there. Okay? I had people encouraging me every day, either electronically or in person. I had people fighting over who was going to take me to chemo. Okay? It was amazing. My community just came around me, and they carried me. I must have had thousands of people praying for me. And I know God's grace covered me. It makes a difference, ladies. Community makes a huge difference. And my question for you today is, you know, do you have a community that will come around you? Or are you part of a community that comes around someone else? It breaks my heart to imagine anybody having to go through a trial alone. Okay? We need each other. 
But I believe that God wants us to go a little bit deeper, all right? It's not just about encouraging. It's not just about bearing one another's burdens. I think he wants us to go super deep, and he wants, to hold each, he wants us to hold each other accountable, okay? Accountability. The beginning of that uh, verse that we just looked at, let us spur one another on. Do you guys know what a spur is, right? It's like that pointy metal thing that the cowboy uses to get the horse to go the way it, you know? It's not a warm, fuzzy image, right? Okay? <laughs> it's kind of a painful image, actually. But it's so important. It's so important that we get to the level where we can be so real with one another um, that we can be, it's safe, okay? It's safe, but it's real. And sometimes being real means that you have to tell the truth even when it hurts, right? Do you guys have an accountability partner? All right, somebody who... Um, is certainly your biggest cheerleader, you know, somebody you can cry on her shoulder, you can complain, you can vent, you can say whatever it is, just get it all out, right? But then when you're done, she's going to breathe God's truth into your life and spur you to obedience. I have one. I have an accountability partner. And she's going to be really mad when I say her name. <laughs> but I'm going to do it anyway, because I have a mic and she doesn't. <laughs> Rhea, Rhea Kwan, right here, right here, right here in front. Rhea, I just want to take this public moment to thank you for our friendship. 20 years, 20 years, you have truly endured me for 20 years. Thank you so much for your unconditional love, your sacrifices, the times that you've picked out my clothes and put on my makeup, the times that you have describe the paintings to me, the times that you have just stood by me, even when I was stubborn. And thank you so much, most of all, most of all, Rhea, for having the courage and for loving me enough to give me that swift kick in the butt when I needed it. I know it's painful, but it's effective, and it's your kindness that has brought me to repentance. Thank you. I love you so much. <laughs> All right, do you guys have a Rhea? If you don't have a Rhea in your life, go get one, okay? Not this one, she's mine. Go get your own. But you know, maybe it's somebody already in your close circle, and you just need to go deeper with her, okay? You just need to say, hey, can you be that kind of friend for me, okay? You got my back, all right? Let's have each other's backs. And if you do have friends like that, maybe you have room for one more, all right? When we think about a marathon and the stages of the marathon, you know, we're all at different stages, okay? Do you have room to mentor somebody or to disciple somebody, someone you can walk alongside of? Those of you women out there that have beat the bridge, you know what beat the bridge means to me? It means that your kids are like productive, you know, social citizens and they're not living in your basement, okay? <laughs> For those of you who have beat the bridge, okay, please have mercy on those of us that are in the throes of poopy diapers and teenage angst. Okay, help us. Give us your wisdom. Give us your wisdom. I know you don't have it all figured out, but it's okay. Pour your life into us. And those of you who, who are just sort of starting out, okay, you don't have to figure it all out yourself. All right? Find somebody a little bit ahead of you. All right? Stalk them if you have to. All right? Go shopping with them. Hang out with them. See how it's done. 
Ladies, we need each other. We need to walk alongside each other. It's so, so important. That is what the body of Christ is all about. Okay, and there's so many opportunities, whether you're here at Cornerstone or you have your own home church. Okay, let's go deep. Let's go deep together. When I was on that, um, in the marathon, um, there's an image that I will never forget. It was um, at one point, remember when everybody was passing me? <laughs> the other group that passed me was a whole platoon of Marines, okay? That's like, what, 30-some Marines? And they were running in step. And they're running in full camouflage, you know, with, with the heavy combat boots and all their packs. And the one guy in the middle was holding the American flag. And they were like, you know, what, two, three, four, I don't know, but I've been told, you know, they're doing that, <laughs> which is cool. But when you look at them, they look so burdened down, you know, with all their packs and everything. And yet they were, they were, just, they were just moving as if they were flying together as a group. And that's the image I want to leave you guys with, you know, this image of how we run this race together, step in step, okay? Burdens and all, all right? With the flag of Christ, right? That's how we're meant to run this race. And remember, no matter what stage you are on, no matter what part of life you're in, point number four, you know, we know, we trust, we can be confident that God will rescue us, okay? Do you know the God that you worship? I mean, he is an amazing, awesome God, and he loves you so much. He has a purpose. He has a plan. It may seem like maybe you don't always understand it all the time, but trust him. He will not give you anything more than you can handle. And look what it says in Isaiah 40, 31. It says, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will run, they will, excuse me, they will walk. I'm getting all excited. They will walk and not be faint. Okay? All right? We can call upon the Lord. Whether it's a banana or a power bar, he knows what you need. And you can always ask him for more. I was at a retreat once. It was at sort of a tough time in my life. I was having issues with my marriage, and my mom's Alzheimer's were progress, was progressing, and I was losing my independence with my vision and all that. It was just a crazy time. And I remember I went up to this retreat speaker, and I said, I just don't know if I have enough faith. I don't know, I don't know if I have it in me. And she said, well, have you asked God for more? <laughs> and I was like, I can do that. Is that allowed? <laughs> the God that we worship, ladies, has limitless resources, okay? And he already knows what you need anyway. He's got you covered. He's got you covered, all right? And then finally, how do we know that we are running strong this race together? How do we know we are running strong? Brings me to my point number five. We experience spiritual endorphins also known as the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Runners high, right? In the form of love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, patience, self-control. I, I, I have to work on the self-control still a little bit <laughs> with my kids. Um, <laughs> but, you know, God is so clever, isn't he? He's such a clever God, right? Because as we become transformed in Christ-likeness, we experience these wonderful fruits. And then not only do we experience them, people around us experience them because they see us and they see all that we go through. And the world doesn't understand it, right? Why is a blind girl so darn cheerful? Eh? 
They don't understand, but they're drawn to it. And then they say, hey, what's your secret? Right? And then you get to tell them your story and what Jesus did for you. Let's look at our final verse. It's John 5, 8. These are Jesus' words. He says, by this my Father is glorified, that you will bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. And so prove to be my disciples. Ladies, let's run this race together. Let's go the distance. All right, let's dig deep. Let's drink deeply of the living water of Jesus Christ who saves us. And you know what? I want to say one more thing. If you're on the sidelines and you actually haven't entered this race, you can do that. All right? All you have to do is believe and confess. Confess with your tongue and believe in your heart that Jesus died for you. And he wants to save you. And if you need somebody to, to help you, well, you come see me, okay? I'll hook you up. All right? We can go to Costco together. Okay? <laughs> I always need a ride, right? <laughs> all right, ladies, this is what we're going to do. We're going to read this last verse together. It's Philippians 3.13. All right? Okay, tell me when you're ready. You guys ready? Okay, here we go. I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past, looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and to receive the heavenly prize. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, thank you, Lord, that we do not have to run this race alone. Lord, you gave us your son. Your son has gone before us, that road to Calvary, Lord, that road where he had to carry his cross and all our sins that he bore on that cross, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for having him be our example of what it means to endure. And Lord, thank you for, thank you for all these women that we don't have to run the race alone here on earth, that we have each other that we can run together, we can go the distance, and that we can glorify you. In everything, Lord, we glorify you. Father, just come and quench our thirst today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, everybody, on the count of one, two, three, run, forest, run. One, two, three. Run, forest, run. All right, thank you. Oh, okay.